Okay, you can look at me while we do the interview, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is Inside with Outsiders. I'm Jeremy Escari, and today's guest is fashion creative and consultant Tanya Ortega. Thank you for being here. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done one of these in a minute. It's all good. Uh, I, the beginning, like when we first get, got you started like, two seconds ago, you didn't like the side we're on. Like you've been the high, high, most high maintenance person on this podcast so far. You're and looking I'm okay this with way that. because you think that's your bad side. This is my bad side. No, it's just, <laughs> that's in your head. <laughs> so you're just gonna sit that way the whole I'm time. Just gonna. Okay. So you came on the first. <laughs> you came. You came to Outsiders. I met you on an Outsiders trip. You came to our surfing event. Did we meet on Outsiders? Yeah, 20... No, we did Yes, 2019. Oh, I think we were just met because you were dating uh, a mutual friend of ours. Well, you were dating a friend of mine, and we met at a club. Uh, and then... But I didn't... I mean, I met you in passing, and then I met you at an Outsiders surfing event. And right. that event Damn, that was a long out. time ago. It was 2019, 20... right? No. 2018? It was 2019. No, it wasn't 2019. It must Whatever. have been 2018, I think. Maybe. So, Definitely. but what's special about that event is... Oh, you always bring this up. I always bring it up because... But it, why? Why? Because it's I'm special. Not, I'm not the you're one not that them. got engaged. <laughs> so, your friends... Well, actually, your friend My met a guy. Friend. Your best friend met a guy at our surfing event, right? Yes. And... Uh, we go through they, this every time. They met. He was a little drunk. Hella she annoying. But now we love him. Yeah. Love you, Joserita. So And then they end up dating and they got married. Yeah, and I'm dying to get a a, a little uh, mention from them about outsiders. I don't know why you don't reach out. <laughs> you got their info. Anyway, this is about you and not them. So exactly. tell us, <laughs> you you live in New York, but you're not from here. Where are you from originally? I'm from the border. I'm from El Paso, Texas. Mexican American. My mom is from Chihuahua, over the border, Juarez, and my dad is from Mexico City. And I've lived here for about nine years. Okay. And that is so crazy. <laughs> Time went by way yeah. too fast. What, uh, what brought your parents to the States? Um, I mean, I think like everybody, better opportunities, you know. Uh, most of my cousins are Mexican-born, so there's only like a handful of us that were blessed enough to, you know, be raised here. Um... But yeah, just like everybody, I feel like better opportunities, a better life, better quality of life. Um, and my dad is between, you know, he lives in Texas, but he's between Mexico City and, and Texas because I have family in Mexico City. Mm -hmm. um, and for my mom's side, we all live in Texas. After my grandpa died, um, they sold a house in Juarez and came over to the States and we kind of just all built land next to each other. Really? <laughs> so we all live next to each other. That's nice. <laughs> and our backyards connect. Now, let me <laughs> like ask you. Like a true you, Mexican family. Did you grow up that way? Like with your family next to you? <clears throat> uh, yeah. So I mean, I grew up between here and Mexico City. Uh, uh, Mexico City went to it for the first time in October and it was beautiful. Like, I love Mexico City. Um, you know, we spoke a little bit, uh, I think it was last year, about you know, being in New York and not having your family here and so on. Having grown up with your family and extended family right next to you, what was that like being in New York and not having that support system? Um, I feel like um, it's not too different in the sense that 
I'm only child. And so because most of my cousins are Mexican born, I didn't get to socialize as much as I feel like I would have wanted or would have had I been brought up with all my cousins, right? Um, I would visit them in the summer, but for the most part, even though we all live next to each other, like I was like the only kid in the household. You know, it's like my grandma and my uncle, my aunt and her husband lived nearby, me, my mom, my great aunt. So like I was like the baby. Gotcha. So I I pretty much kind of grew up alone. Um, My closest cousin, uh, we went to the same school. So, you know, him and I, but like he's I about four or five years older than me and he's like yeah, a boy so like he'd get annoyed of me I, yeah, I, I was under the impression because you said you grew up with your family next to you like your cousins and everyone but it wasn't it was like older no family. yeah okay. like yeah I was raised by my family gotcha but my cousins all lived in in Mexico understood well um, what was it like growing up in Texas I mean it's much different from here especially especially yeah. that part of Texas Um, It's a very special place to be from because you're a border town. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I always say like I'm Texican Mm -hmm. because I get, (laughs) you know, I get the best, the, you know, best of both worlds, Um, the food, the culture, but also having spent time in Mexico City. So like for Mexico City and spending growing up also, you know, spending time in Chihuahua and then Texas, like I definitely feel like it's kind of like a special way of growing up i got a taste of everything i got a little bit of like that uh texan culture and the cowboy and the country i love country and the two-stepping and yeah and um and then you have like the mexican side and my great aunt used to love to sing rancheras at home and like growing up with true mexican food and my first language is spanish and like growing up with my family in that way you know so definitely like kind of get the best of both worlds living so close to the border is it i mean there's obviously mexicans and there's white americans right did you experience any conflict growing up yourself um what like conflict as in what as in like you know you're living in a border town right and there's migrants coming in right um did you ever y'all gotta understand like most of the immigrants coming in they're mexican Mm -hmm. we're sister cities like we're not so different from each other you know we're all mexican we're all hispanic so anybody coming in and out we're all mexican 90 percent of the people you know my mom she lived in juarez and her last year of high school she wanted to experience what it was you know coming to school in the u.s so she lived in juarez crossed the border and went to high school in el paso and then went back like that's just such a normal thing there are people that live in el paso work in juarez people that work in juarez See, I think that's important to, to know. I didn't know that, but I also think it's important to know because we assume that there's this hard border and, and like there's a animosity towards both sides. Not at all. I think the animosity um, happens within Texas. Yeah, I think further in. Further yeah. in Texas, yeah. Well, usually that's the case where people uh, in, in other countries too are afraid of immigrants, but they're the ones that are so far away from the immigrants. Right. Like, I mean, you have borders. the massacre that happened in El Paso a few years ago. Mm-hmm. That guy came from like north of Dallas right. to kill us yeah. at, in my hometown because he said the Hispanics were taking over. Mind you, like Texas was part of Mexico and you're like white, <laughs> so this is actually our home, right. not yours. You know, so it's like... Well, it's, it's, it's interesting you say that because I think that's the case for every country uh, that, that has people that are anti-immigrant, right? So in, pa- in France, for example, in Paris, 
uh, in, and even in New York were more uh, liberal towards uh, immigrant laws, right? But then, and that's usually where the most immigrants are, right? And they're more tolerant. Where do you go in, in France to like the countryside where they never I- interact with any immigrants and they're the ones that are anti-immigrant, but they never see any. So it's more yeah. of like the fear of the unknown and it's ridiculous. Well, it's also people judging by, based off looks, you know? Well, and it's course. like, because this person looked Mexican, that's like why I'm going to hate them. But mm-hmm. like, we're not just one way looking. We, you know, if you go to Monterrey, you see a lot of white Mexicans. Exactly. My cousins from Chihuahua are blonde hair with blue eyes. Yeah. And you would, like, if you're that ignorant, you wouldn't think that they're Mexican. Of course. But if you're a little bit more culture, then I feel like you would know that we're, like, in all types of yeah. colors. There's and descendants <laughs> from Spain. There's descendants exactly, from, the, yeah. from the native population. There's My I mean, dad's side is very dark. Mm-hmm. So they have, my dad's side has like more stronger features. Yeah. And my mom's side is a bit more olive, lighter complexed. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so, yeah, yeah, I feel like we're all different. We're all, we don't all just look like one type of, of Mexican. So definitely the border is pretty much friendly. I mean, most of us have family over the border. My mom goes to the doctor in Juarez. My mom grocery shops in Juarez. My mom brings over the medicines from Juarez and ships them to me. How like, far is it from, uh, from... It's literally like I could... If I touch you, I'm in Juarez. I mean, how long of a drive? Is it 10 minutes? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. It's literally like... Bloop. Yeah. You just like cross over. Would easy. you recommend visiting Juarez? Um... I think there are prettier parts of Mexico, <laughs> um, you know, my, uh, but I, Juarez does have culture, you know, you have Juan Gabriel, uh, Benito Juarez, so you have like things yeah. obviously to, yeah. that are, to learn and like that are there, the, the clubbing and stuff like that from even like, you know, back in the day. Yeah. But um, I mean, for me, I, it's not like I would go go chill in Juarez. Like, I feel like if I'm going to Juarez, I'm going for, like, family things, like right. grocery shopping and running errands yeah. and then coming back over, you know, doing things. Where did, where did you, uh, when did you know you want to get into fashion? Like, what did, did you always know as a kid? Yeah, I feel like I basically came out my mom's womb, like, decked out. Really? <laughs> <laughs> but wh- like, I came out the womb with hoops on. What was it? <laughs> and a little, like, gold bracelet on. When was the first, um... Uh, the first moment you remember where you were you were like into fashion. um my first my like most core memory is um making keychains with my mom like sewing keychains like i would make like a little keychain i would sew buttons and it was basically because my mom used to make my clothes yeah. so i would go with her to like hobby lobby or walmart and we'd buy fabric and she'd buy like the alice mccall patterns and I'd watch her on the table cutting up patterns and I have a lot of pictures of like all my clothes is pretty much homemade, like my mom sewing it and making it. Um, so I'd sit next to her and sew up, you know, buttons on keychains and, and I'd sew little pillows for her and, um, you know, I kind of watched her stitch and cut patterns and stuff like that. And then my mom's always been a very like always dressed up, always looking her best you know, and so I basically grew up with magazines and knowing makeup. Right. And so definitely something that was like already instilled yeah. in me since I was like without me even knowing, I feel like, so you know. When did you think you can make a living from this or when did you decide that you, you, could, you were going to study this? Did you go to school for this? Yeah, I went yeah. to school for fashion design. 
Um, at the time, I thought I wanted to be a designer. Um, I don't think I really knew what a stylist was. I knew, I knew that like there were people that were putting things together for VIP. At the time, like the biggest. This was when you were still in Texas. Yeah. Okay. Was like Rachel Zoe, who had her own show. Um, Mary Ken and Ashley for sure. <laughs> Rachel Zoe is one of like the first I feel like televised and stylist made celebrity person. I feel like. Um, and I remember being so obsessed with that show, and then kind of being like, "Oh, there's like this kind of other side of the industry." But it wasn't really tapped in, you know, like there wasn't really a how to become a stylist. Well, it's, it's the only things that we know how to become are traditional jobs, right? Well, there was either you're a fashion designer, a fashion buyer kind of deal. You, there really wasn't like, I don't, people didn't really knew what a stylist was. Mm-hmm. Like now you think styling, all of a sudden everybody's a stylist. Right. But if you think about before, like that was just such a low key job. So how did you, <clears throat> when did you start studying fashion in high school? Like did you take electives? That were I like did. Um, one of my electives in high school was sewing. Okay. Which is, I yeah. fucking loved it. Really? Nobody liked it. I lo- I was in there making pillows and quilts. I was like, I was bringing them shits home. Like, well, well, I guess you realized you wanted to do it, but when did you realize you were good at that? I always knew I was good at it. Okay. <laughs> like, I always knew I was good at it. Like, even since middle school. So it was a knowing. You just knew. I just knew. It was like in my bones. Like, okay. it was like, I knew it was engraved in my DNA. Like, that's how deep that. So when did you make your first outfit? Or first piece of clothing? I think my first. First, aside from, yeah, aside yeah. from like pillows and blankets that I made, my first piece that I like made helped design and conceptualize to life was my prom dress. You made your prom dress? I didn't make it like hand. Right. But I designed it. I went and got the fabric. I chose all the blings and everything. We sketched it out. And then we had a when tailor you we, make who, it. Who's, you, Me and my mom. Okay. Was she in creative arts somehow? So my mom comes from an elite society in Juarez and called El Club de Leones. And I have pictures and my mom, they used to have- What is this club? It's like an elite social club of like high class people. So it's a, okay, so it's like a country club of sorts. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And um, my grandpa was a very known lawyer in Mexico. Okay. And- um, because of that, they had some kind of status. And my mom was part of this social club and they would have balls. And my mom would make her own dresses. So, so the, okay, so you get this, you get it from your mama. I get literally get it from my mama. Right. <laughs> and you know my mom, she's hella hill. So I literally get everything from my yeah. mom, my physical and my personality from my mom. Really? <laughs> like, what aspect of you is, is part of your, is your dad's, you think? <laughs> Oh wow! Um, that good, huh? You know what? My, I think my, my character, like my determination, mm. and my athleticism, for sure, I get it from my dad. Yeah, well, you play what sports? You play? I did uh, well gymnastics for a very long time, like hardcore. Mm-hmm. Um, but I grew up as a tomboy, and I definitely get all that from my dad. That's interesting. You grew up as a tomboy, but you went to fashion at the same time, which normally people not really think is because 
gymnastics was kind of like yeah. a tomboyish sport. Was it? Yeah, 1,000%. I mean, I'd imagine tomboy sports are more like the traditional uh, four main sports in the U.S., right? Not necessarily gymnastics. Gymnastics, in my eyes, is something... Gymnastics, cheerleading is more girly than gymnastics. Yeah, I understand that, but still gymnastics is not a sport that most men get into. Yeah, there it is. Maybe not. Maybe, I don't know. I mean, you either. have Paul Ham, John Ham. Like, these are mm. Olympic medalists. Everybody knows. But no, I understand that. I guess... It's not Nastia Lukin's dad. The mainstream pops, pop culture sports aren't necessarily gymnastics, you know? For men? Yeah. I mean, there's. Or maybe I mean, I grew up, world. I feel like I grew up in the gymnastics culture, so I definitely saw a lot of men. Right. Like, I did, I, I remember being in middle school and like dating boys that were in gymnastics. That's probably. I, on the I, gymnastics team. I was in basketball and soccer, right. so I, it's not my world. You were more like on a mainstream sport. Exactly, is what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say for like five minutes. <laughs> Uh, and I'm like, no. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> thanks for cooperating. Uh, <laughs> um, so you made your first, you made your prom dress. It's a big deal, right? For a uh, yeah. high school girl. And the reason why I did that was because I remember flying to Dallas and going to like one of their biggest malls with my mom and my dad. And I couldn't find a prom dress that was different. You literally flew to Dallas for a prom dress. Yes. Okay. I did not want to have the same prom dress as everybody else. It, like, one thing about me is I hate having the same thing as peop other people. Like, that's always, it's just, that's just who I am. Yeah. And yeah. I remember going to the stores in El Paso, and, like, there was just nothing that I saw that felt like me. And then I went to Dallas, and I remember falling in love with one prom dress. And there was just too many copies of it. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I will literally die if... I go to prom and somebody else has my dress. Right. And also the coloring and the pattern of it, I liked it, but I didn't love it. And it was the closest thing that I could find that I was like happy with within my like budget that my dad had put for me. So I remember thinking to myself, you know what? Screw this. Like maybe this is a fun project to just do myself. Yeah. And I came back to El Paso and my mom and I kind of, I sketched out what I wanted. My mom helped me define that. And then we went to go get fabric and I created my own dress. And I honestly am like the happiest really? that I had my own. And I think I still have it. My mom has it at home. So from there, was you were, that's when you were still determined to become a designer yourself, right? Yes. And, and you went to school in Texas for fashion? Yeah, I went to community college. And you got your fashion degree from community college in Texas? My what? Fashion degree from community. I didn't graduate. College. You didn't graduate. So what did you start? What did you do? Like what was the path to where you're at now as far as education? I mean, I, I went to college for it. I spent like three years. I had two semesters left. And the only reason why I didn't finish was because the opportunity that presented itself in New York, I couldn't pass up. And does your industry require a college degree? Um, I'm a freelancer on my own business. Um, so I think I kind of scapegoated that so is it more about your portfolio than it is a degree right mm, at the time it's definitely about degree nowadays i feel like it it has to do a bit more about portfolio okay. for sure but at the time i remember like i got internships but it would have been difficult to get an editor job like a fashion editor job without a degree so what was this opportunity that presented itself that had you skip school um, I had an internship opportunity in the city with a stylist the and city. it was going to here okay. in the city, so in you, New York City. You, you, you hadn't left 
Texas yet. But she- the summer before my second to last semester, I moved here. And I interned for like three stylists in the summer. And I lived in Port Chester and I would take the train down oh, like wow. 45 minutes to Grand, uh, Grand Central. Yeah. And then I'd take the six down to Bleecker. Why were you living in Port Chester? Because shit, that's why, the only place I could afford to live. Why did you, you, you move to New York in the first place? Was it because you got internship from Texas? Um, no, I kind of just said I'm just going to go and figure it out. Okay. So... One day I That's, woke up. I like I don't mean to to cut you off. I love that aspect part of the story, and we had uh, Katie Romero, who's also a Mexican from Texas, who left Texas, uh, packed up her stuff, and just. I don't really think you can come with a plan, and I think people assume that you have to come with a plan, and maybe that works in other cities, but for some reason, in a city like New York City, it's either you go you go for it or you don't go. Like you got to jump. Like you got like commit. a leap of faith, yeah, or you don't. But well, you had a plan though. I didn't have a plan. I had an idea of what I wanted to do, right? But there was no plan how I was going to do it. Okay, that's a big risk. Maybe not the smartest way to do it, but it you made it work. Because that actually got me in credit card debt. <laughs> so what happened? So you moved here. You were you're commuting from Port Chester down to downtown Manhattan. Well, for context, the only reason I moved here was because one day in freshman year of high school. I woke up and I had dreamt I was in New York and my dad calls me. My dad's a flight attendant and for airline and my dad calls me and he's like, hey, you know, we're just having like talk of the day. And I'm like, yeah, I just woke up. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm back in back in El Paso. So I was like, yeah, I was just having a dream. I was in New York City. And he's like, you want to go? And I was, was this must have been like 10 a.m. Something like that. And I remember him being like, do you want to go? Maybe we can catch a flight at 2 p.m. Just for the day for like 24 hours. That's amazing. What a nice dad. Jeez. And so I remember like, really? Like, okay, because I fly. I used to fly standby, right? And so he's like, okay, let me check the standby seats. And so he's like, okay, pack your stuff for like a day and we're going to go. And I was like, hey, I'm like so excited. And we hopped on a flight. We made it at night. We stayed in Jersey. And we literally were here for like 12 hours. What did you do during that time? We went to Times Square and that was like my most memorable part of it. We went to Ripley's Believe It or Not. And at Times Square, you know how they have like people are taking your pictures or like sketching you, right? There was one where it was they could take your picture and they put a frame on it. And I remember like I'm in my big like (laughs) glasses, those 2000 glasses, the big ass frames. And I'm like this. And the frame they put was Vogue. Really? And um, that's the frame I had asked for. Mm-hmm. And I got the picture back. And I remember thinking to myself, one day, I'm going to live in New York City. Like, I remember when I landed, I was like, oh, my God, this is home. Like, this just feels like you home. you felt like that from the beginning. For, I'm telling you, this me, like, was... goosebumps just thinking about this stuff. That's crazy. And I literally, I knew. I just knew. I just, I knew. Because before I moved to New York, um, during college, I went to L.A. for a week. And I tried the fashion scene there and I just could not see myself. I just couldn't identify myself with that demographic. Right. Like I just couldn't see myself so, there. So you do this day trip with your dad. You realize it's home. This you is go, when I was 14, 15. Yeah, right. And then you go back home. You, you do the whole school thing. And how'd you, you didn't have an internship lined up when you left Texas, right? You just go to New York and find one online or something. What'd you do? Yeah, because 
now I mean now that I look back on it I understand but like I probably tried to find I probably applied for like 100 150 internships oh wow and nobody was getting back to me everybody was asking me where do you live like and I'm like well I would do the intern like I'm willing to relocate for the internship but like nobody wants to have that responsibility of like this person to relocate that I'm not even going to pay to do this internship at the time, I didn't understand because I'm like, I'm telling you I could relocate. Right, right. Now I understand because now I have girls that reach out to me for internships that are willing to relocate. And now I'm like, now I get it. Yeah. I don't want that responsibility, you know. Right. Um, but anywho, I was like, OK, I guess I'm just going to have to go. Yeah. Um, so I before I came for the summer, I used to come during Fashion Week and just seek out people for internships. And I did internships with PR and I would meet people that way and they'd be like, oh, well, we're having fashion. And I didn't tell them I didn't live here. So I would come for like four or five days at a time. And I used to stay with Alexa. OK, yeah. And her and I were like scooted together in her little like Chinatown Alexa's apartment. Alexa's the one that got married when she met a guy in Outsiders. Yes. Same, just a reminder. My bestie. And um, so I would come like for a weekend or something. And then I met a girl who was... Uh, an assistant to a, a makeup artist or she did makeup and no she did makeup on this one shoot and she's like I live in Portchester if you we became really good friends she's like if you want to come for the summer like feel free to stay at my apartment and I was like bam I don't know where Portchester is so I'm mm-hmm. like sure New York you know I'm going to New York yeah. no like an hour away <laughs> <laughs> so I literally packed my stuff brought my dog with me because you know pumpkin don't go anywhere without me and I was here for that summer and so that's when I I was working part-time in Connecticut so I was part, working part-time at Maj as a sales associate loved it one of the best jobs I've ever had in my life by the way is working as Celsius at Maj. Like I had the greatest time there with the people and my manager was so nice. Mm-hmm. He'd be like, just let me know when your internships are, you know, when they are and I will schedule you out oh, so nice. you can go to your internships. So that was definitely so what like... what internships did you get? So I got an internship... Notable inter- ones that you were like the first few. The first few, um, I don't remember my first one. I don't remember her name anymore, but she did... Like commercial stuff, like Target, Gap. Yeah. Like she was a stylist. She was a stylist, but more like normal. Yeah. Like commercials, commercial. not yeah. really high fashion. Yeah. Um. So I remember doing that first, and then, and then I got an internship with uh, Katie Mossman, who was Giselle Bunchen's stylist for like the longest time. Mm-hmm. She is Katie Mossman is icon, like icon. Gotcha. So you got a big break there. Yes and no, because I never met her. <laughs> I was an intern. Like, we were in the studio. She wasn't coming to the studio. Right. But, like, I was part of it. <laughs> we were, I was picking up the clothes, gotcha. packing up the clothes, organizing the clothes, returning the clothes, you know? Yeah. Um, I mostly worked with her assistants at the time. Would I you made friends. Was a pivotal moment for you? Um, pivotal, I... I'm not really sure I would say pivotal. Um, I definitely learned a lot and how, and I learned a little bit the ugly side of the industry, definitely. Mm. Um, So I was definitely like, whoa, okay. I saw things, I was treated a certain way, and I remember kind of feeling like I left feeling weird. I remember that. 
So, but that that was my first like what do you mean? strong I, fashion you encounter. Left feeling weird. They were just like so mean. Like like bad girl fashion mean type of situation. Yeah, okay. bad girl fashion mean, and I was also I feel like asked to do tasks that they knew I would fail at. Mm. So like setting me up for failure. Gotcha. So it was definitely that. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm green, like I'm new to this. So I was definitely left feeling a type of way, um, which sucked because I really love a stylist and like, I know she's not like that, right. but her team was. Um, and then after that, I got an internship with this stylist, Bettina Bati, who did a lot of stuff for like, uh, Refinery29 and Wonderland Mag, Rush Magazine. And I loved it. Like she was, that for me was a bit more of a pivotal moment. Like she really kind of took me under her wing at that time and was like, I was like on a smaller scale of fashion because I was, we were working not really with high end brands. I was working more with like contemporary brands. So like anything that would be like J. Crew, Theory, Alice and Olivia, I more think we're contemporary brands. Details that like, like you want to dive into because it's your world. But, but I, people, like to people got to know what contemporary uh, brand is because they'd be, I'm gonna be that, wearing a high fashion brand and it'd be like Veronica Beard. And I'm like, <laughs> that's stuff that's like sp super specific, which is good for your business for sure. But I kind of want to focus more on, on you. Uh, so you got this internship where you felt a certain way, but what, you, you weren't discouraged, right? You obviously stuck, stuck with it. What was, I was definitely discouraged. <laughs> oh, you, but, but you weren't discouraged enough to leave. No, because I'm not a quitter. Right. So what was, did you keep on getting internships and when was the first time you got like a job and and when you got a job it was your first i guess it was your first time as a freelancer right everything was freelance um i didn't get a job till pff, 20 how long 17 after? 2016 so like was like i was actually getting paid for something how long Wow, so you, how long did you go without getting paid? I started paid? in 2014. So you went three years without getting paid from styling, yep. so you were doing retail instead, right? I was doing retail, and then when I moved to the city, I was bartending. Which is a great way to make money, and, and especially when you're trying to do something. Yeah, I got fired like three times. Why? Because <laughs> I was always late. <laughs> But in my defense, like I didn't know the city that well. Like I was getting lost all the time, right, and I was choosing places to live that were so far. But you did it for three years, right? Yeah, it sucked ass. I mean, yeah, because it's not what you wanted to do, but it made you a living. Maybe you able to those hours allow you to do other stuff. Yeah. I mean, you don't sleep much, but you get to do yeah. other stuff. I met, <laughs> I met somebody. Well, I knew I had a friend who had a friend. Okay, so I had a friend from El Paso who had a friend that was also from El Paso that lived in New York City that worked for, um, at the time it was called style.com. Now it's vogueruway.com. Mm -hmm. um, at the time of style.com, she's a journalist and she worked there. What's her name? Hillary. Not Hillary Shepard, is it? Yes. Is it? Hillary Shepard. Oh Hillary. my God, that's yeah. my girl. I didn't, I didn't realize you guys knew each other. And also, you know, um, oh, spacing. I'm good friends with the sports reporter for a uh, friend from Texas, Liz Gonzalez. Liz, yeah. yes. Oh my God, I haven't seen her in ages. Yeah, me neither. She uh, used to live near me Chelsea. in Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so Hillary worked at style.com and she had heard uh, my friend from El Paso connected us and she knew I was looking for an internship. And so she connected me with a stylist she knew in the office. 
And that was my first big internship because it was Vogue Japan. Oh, that's huge. Yeah. Like, for those who don't know fashion, Vogue is like the pinnacle of... of uh, Fashion. Like... <laughs> Editorial. Fashion book. Editorial. Magazines and stuff. Yeah, editor, Editorial. exactly. So... That's amazing. That was your first gig? Like your first real? Yeah. I mean, this was 2015. I had just actually moved to Brooklyn, like actually moved to New York. And with that week that I moved to New York, I had the interview with uh, one of the assistants from the editor at large at Vogue Japan with my mom. My mom waved for me outside. (laughs) And then um, the special thing about that was it was I didn't know who the assistant was to like, Oh yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. You know what I mean? Who they were working for. Right. Yeah. And I give context to this because this is just such a supernatural way of like God working in my life and me not knowing me, me just wanting something so bad and hard and just the way that life worked out. Um, when I was in high school, in freshman year, I believe, I used to watch Gossip Girl. And I remember thinking like, damn, like that's the life I want. Like I want to live in New York City. I want to be dressed up. I want to walk those streets. I feel like that's uh, like the typical generic life. That and like Sex and the City, what girls in fashion. I didn't understand Sex and the City yet. So definitely was not watching that. But I was watching Gossip Girl and just the feeling of New York's energy and Thinking to, and I used to follow this huge, iconic stylist, Giovanna Battaglia. And I knew she was the senior, editor, senior fashion editor of Vogue Japan. Mm-hmm. I remember one night being like praying and being like, God, I don't know how to get to her. But like, how can I get to her? Like, how does this little girl from El Paso in her bedroom get to this person here? That's huge for Milan. Like, I don't know how. Yeah. And it so happened that the girl that I interviewed for was the assistant to Giovanna Battaglia. Wow. Literally, I had no clue. I had no clue. Like, and I had no clue. Yeah, I barely yeah. knew the assistant's name. I didn't even know who I was going to interview with. Yeah. And we met at, I believe, the Mercer Hotel. Mm-hmm. And we, when she told me who she worked with, I, I almost fainted. Like, I genuinely almost fainted you but I, you it together? I kept it together nice. like I kept my cool and I was like okay amazing and, when you yeah. walked out, and then you when I walked out <laughs> <laughs> and we started jumping up and down and we were yeah. hugging my mom was crying and I was crying and I was like what the heck mind you I had just had this prayer like thought and talk with God like two three years prior like yeah. this wasn't even like months ago yeah. you know so that's beautiful that was a very special moment for me and so i knew that i couldn't mess this up right and that was a reason why i didn't go back to college because i was like this all just happened and during my like fall break like i need to continue this internship because this doesn't happen not like on a daily on a daily basis you know but you also have the drive to make it happen right it's not like right which is why i think Things happen to us in life when you when you work hard when you plant seeds eventually yeah. there's a there's a street blooms. artist who writes uh dream until you it's your reality and i'm like i hate that you, know, you can't dream till it's your reality dream 
work work for it and then it right reality and I, I was like people who like post that i'm like guys like just dream it no yeah. I, you definitely have to like wor- work for it and but i i feel like sometimes and even now because now i have bigger dreams right the dreams that i had then i've accomplished yeah. now i have bigger dreams and sometimes i think we fall into like we dream about something we don't know how to work for the dream but i think just figuring out the ways to make the dream come true is working towards the dream and eventually right. you'll hit a door that's going to open but it's not easy i mean it's right. even my career has taken me 9 years so what was which is not a long time if you think it about it it feels like a long time I mean, it feels like outsiders is brand new i've been doing it for 7 years now it's crazy that feels like a long time i'm looking back yeah but because my okay, so you've been doing outsiders for seven years, but you've you put work in before that to make it an, right. So it feels like a longer time because even though I've just been doing it for nine years, I yeah. wanted it since I was in middle school. Yeah. So it yeah. feels like a long time. And that's amazing. It to just me. barely started. When I meet when I people who when I meet people who knew what they wanted to do from childhood, like for me, I didn't know, I didn't know mm-hmm. what I wanted to do. As a matter of fact, when I was in college, I first went for to be a physical therapist. Right. And uh, which a lot of fashion people actually have degrees in anything that has to do fashion. Right. It, it, it's it's weird. So I didn't know what I really wanted to do. I just knew that I liked people. I liked I was good with people. And I wanted to figure it out. From and there. you wanted to help people. Yeah. And, and my vision was when somebody asked me, my vision was I think it was my therapist asked me my vision. Like, what do you what do you see yourself doing? Because I, I decided. Wow. When did you start having a therapist? So I was 22. Okay. We talked about this. No, we didn't. Not yeah. with not your age. Oh, I didn't tell you my not age. Not at yet. the time like yeah, that right, you started right, right, right. therapist. So, Cuz I no, feel like I culture 22. that could be taboo. Uh, I don't I don't uh, I don't hide from it. I am happy to talk about no, it. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying like even getting the help is a little taboo in culture sometimes. Oh, like no, it takes I, you to just want to be like the black sheep to go get help. For me, I feel like I needed it. Like I yeah, but it was brave that you did it at a young age. Yeah, no, I mean, my mom, like, my, I was on my mom's health insurance at the time, and she was nervous. She was like, uh, she saw the statement pop up on her right. head. I didn't tell her. I was like, Mom, I'm going to get a therapist. I just went, I was 22. I went to get it. And then she looked at me. She's like, is everything okay? Right, because <laughs> like, then it's also like, I'm they like, don't want to tell the family. I'm like, what do you, what do you like, no, she, it wasn't taboo for her. She's like, she's like is everything okay? Because it showed up as a psychologist or rehab you're like yeah i've been drinking too many liquid death mom anything i can help you with like what is this you know like are you okay and i'm like yeah i just went to see a therapist i was like having crazy anxiety and i was like oh thank god (laughs) she thought i was going to like drug some rehab yeah you know i've never tried to try to drug in my life like right she saw that she had to worry about it um so uh so back to the, what I brought it up for, my therapist asked me, you know, I, I, I realized they want to do physical therapy. I'm like, shit, I don't know what I want to do. She said, what do you envision yourself doing? I don't know, but I see myself being able to create something that others can enjoy and then being appreciated for that. But I don't know what it is. And, yeah. and uh, that was my vision. You know? My dad took me to, to actually the community college that I ended up going to when I was in middle school to figure out what I was good at. And I got... I remember getting dancer, yeah. uh, fashion designer, mm. and I can't remember what else I got, but it was always in like the arts. Yeah. And when I was in middle school in one of our electives, they had asked what we see ourselves as a grown up, and I made a whole project on magazines. Really? My whole room, and people from school know me. They remember me because if you came to my house, my whole bedroom was from head to toe in magazine covers. It's funny how that works, right? Like how these... I, I manifested that. 
Yeah, yeah, in a way, yes. Uh, for me, I was 14 or 15, and I remember uh, having my friend's phone numbers, I mean, 15, something like that. And like, you know, I never want to lose my lose the ability to contact my friends. So, oddly enough, I this is weird that I did this at so young. I put it into a Word document, all my friends' phone numbers, I alphabetized it, and I had like this folder with my friends' numbers in it. And now, like, what the heck? Now my contacts are my resource. Like, I have nine thousand contacts in my phone. Yeah, I got great advice. You're the me. plug. <laughs> yeah, essentially. But like, you know, the, all these different traits you pick out when you're a child. Yeah, it's, it's insane that. It starts off that young, and if someone could see that that incident, your parents saw it in you, right? So kind of. Hmm. My dad wanted to direct me, otherwise. Well, your mom, your mom, your mom yeah. saw that, or at least this was her passion, and maybe she didn't get a chance to follow it the way you did, and you got the your dad's drive and did it. But if a kid can be, uh, if his if a kid's creativity and skill set is viewed is seen seen at all, uh, I think there's huge room for success if they're if they're groomed or, or given the resources well i knew like i wanted to be in fashion but i didn't know what right as a young kid i just knew i wanted magazines but i didn't really know what that meant but being only child to me fashion is something so personal to me yeah yeah because it's like the only thing i had and like i would want and i think i have that's why i have the knowledge of fashion history and just anything really fashion related pattern wise pattern making wise mm. whatever because i used to literally stay up till 3 a.m on my laptop watching fashion shows like chanel runway shows so what dior and i'd be crying why? crying watching the shows really? i don't know it was a passion inside of me yeah. that i felt i wanted so bad to attain this dream i didn't know what it was and i would cry of how those shows made me feel. They made me so emotional because I saw myself. Right. It, this is like, my career is so deeply connected to me that it's not really just like, oh, I want to be a stylist. Like, right. It was no, like, it's Which is why deeply rooted. When you got here, now I was trying to ask you what to introduce you as. It's beyond stylist, right? Yeah. So, I, so you, 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 had, you have and had a career as a stylist, but you do more than that. Yeah. So tell me how you progressed and what do you do now? And then... And I know there's not real labels because you do so much, right? So tell me that process. Well, I feel like now I would just, I really categorize myself as a creative mm -hmm. um, because I've really just ventured out into other things in styling, such as consulting imagery for brands, consulting imagery for VIP, um, also making pieces custom making custom designing pieces for my clients working just so much for more for vip i'm starting to work with athletes which never saw that doing in my life you know um and menswear wasn't really like a path that i saw myself in because i've always done women's wear and now that i do menswear i have so much fun doing it i feel like i've slowly getting into this like place in my life where I'm really enjoying my work and I'm being selective with my work. But you've always enjoyed your work, right? Yeah, but it's always yes and no. Because when you're starting off, especially in the first few years of your career, you can't really pick and choose who you want to work uh, with and I where you want to work. So now you have the creative freedom. Now I have the creative freedom to choose that's, that's who part, I want to work that's with. That's part of the reason why I love doing this outside of stuff, right? So we don't 
you know, we're not just an outdoor tour group. We're not. We're a social club, but I could do so many different things. Part of this, you know. Yeah. I've wanted, I've had, I've wanted to do something where I could feature the interesting people I know. I know people that don't have You find me interesting? <coughs> well, we made an exception with you. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, so oh, we, wow. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Mom, yeah, you heard obviously. him? <laughs> uh, no, but obviously you're interesting. But more seriously, uh, I wanted to feature people that I, I know because I know people from all walks of life. And uh, I didn't want to do it when I did nightlife. I wanted to do it with, with a reason behind it. And doing it for outsiders because we're a community. And as we grow and scale, we can lose that community aspect and really become uh, just, you know, maybe not community oriented because as you scale, you have to, you get more people and the connections are lost. And I want to maintain that connection by interviewing people like yourself who've partaken so people get to know you. You know, you don't come, you've been to a, a couple of outsiders, right? But at least people seeing you here and hearing your story, when they do see you, they'll be, they may go up to you and I watched your story. You know, it spoke to me because of this. And, I think that brings people together. I mean, I definitely get from even past interviews that I've done, I I don't want to sound a type of way, but I get a lot of inquiries. Like I get a, I get reached out a lot right. from and, Which is important because no one told you uh, the steps to get to where you're at. But maybe And I think that's the I think that's the the important part now. Also, now where I'm at in my career, it's important for me to try to pave the way for the girls that look like me. Because mm -hmm. now, now my career has a bit more sense of purpose. You know, then it was, I'm trying to attain a dream. This is what I want to do with my life. Now I've stepped into this chapter of my career of not only do I get to choose who I want to work with and what I want to do, but now there's a sense of purpose. And that purpose is me helping build that blueprint for the girls that look like me that probably wouldn't have had those opportunities then well, or maybe, had to knock those doors down. Maybe that could also start with, and we made a joke about this, but girls who want to come from Texas and say they're willing to relocate, you didn't get that break. Maybe you can offer that break for someone. What? When girls are like, I w I'm willing to do this internship and I'll, I'll move. You know, like you didn't get that break. My, the, so my former boss, because I worked with French Vogue for three-ish years, um, I left her with an assistant from El Paso. Nice. And it was same. So that to me was like trying to help really my people, my community. Um, and she didn't have to go through all the difficulties I did. You know, right. I basically, she came to New York, reached out to me. She wanted to intern. Um, her and I are childhood friends. Her mom was actually my mom's best friend in high school in Juarez. Okay. And so I grew up like at her birthday parties when I was little mm -hmm. and we lost contact for so many years, but we always knew each other and she worked in retail. So she wasn't even, even like in styling world. She was like corporate world. And she came and interned with me for about two years, maybe a year and a half, two years. And when I was ready to blossom and go off on my own, I left her with my former boss and she's still assisting. And where do you see my former boss going from here? Like you've, you've obviously, uh, I don't know, like blossomed into this creative, right? Uh, where do you want to continue growing? Um, I think just, I think I'm like right in this next chapter of my life or like where I'm growing, I'm trying to figure out how to solidify myself more. In which um, way? Like 
I would love to have, like, for example, these are my next dreams. Like, I would love to have my own office. I would love to have, like, my office manager. You know, I would love to be a bit more solid in that area. Mm -hmm. Everything I do goes through my home, and I'm still, like, you know, everything's sample trafficking, like, running through my apartment. My assistant works out of my apartment, and I can get a little bit, like, you lose a little bit the separation of personal and business. Which can wear you down really easily. It has. Yeah. Like I'm worn out. Yeah. And I'm now at a place where I've been single for four years. I would love to step in the next chapter of my personal life. And I don't really feel like I can do that with my business being in my personal life. Which my business is more, I have more of a business life than I have a personal life. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's usually the case for entrepreneurs. Exactly. So now it's like trying to solidify that for myself and like being like figuring out what that means for me and separating both. What, what's helped, helped me is is uh, making a point of delegating and growing with the team instead of doing everything myself. Uh, it's been helpful. Granted, there's still a lot, right? It's, it's never going to be. Well, I don't want to say never. It's gonna take a while and a lot of a lot of uh, planning, organizations, organizing, organizing, and systems setting up to be able to have those roles covered, where you're just basically overseeing as opposed to doing it. There's a great book I love it. I think every entrepreneur should read this book. Every business school should have it for entrepreneurs. It's called E Myth Mastery. It's how to. It's by Michael E Gerber. It's about um, the myth that just because you're working for yourself that you're an entrepreneur. That's not the truth. You can be self-employed. Is a difference. So, it, the book is great because it talks about it's from it's anecdotal, so it's like a story. It's not really a textbook, which I love. Mm -hmm. uh, talks about this this baker who wants to be a uh, an entrepreneur, wants to grow and have more uh, bakeries, but she's the one baking, so she can't. So she has to stop baking. She has to get somebody to bake. She find the right person so she can start doing copy and paste and opening up the shops. Sounds like something you need to do. That's what I've needed to do in, open, in order to open up other cities for outsiders. And that's yeah, the it's like moving challenge. like little pieces here and there, which I've definitely have started doing and yeah. have grown my business. But now it's like you know, still just kind of. I mean, it doesn't happen. Exactly. overnight it like takes it's time. it take takes time, time take you know time doing it. Yeah. um and just kind of now just fitting what do i want in my personal life what does that look like and what does my personal happiness well, look like can we ask you what is it you want in your personal life and what does that look like you know what's so funny it's like i know i'm still young i mean i just turned 30 this year um but my 20s were crazy. You know. You know some part of it. Did you party up? <laughs> well, also my last you relationship was like... Yeah. Well, I was out in the clubs because of my last relationship too. <laughs> like, What was your last relationship? Was it the DJ? Yeah. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. It's been that long. Four years. Wow. So, you know, um, my 20... But even before that, when I was in Texas, I was engaged when I was 19. Really? I didn't know this about yes, you. Yes, you did. I, I forgot this about you. Yes. <laughs> so my whole... Nine, eight, 17, because we started dating at 17, through now, we're crazy. So now I'm really like, okay, hold up. Clearly, <laughs> what I had in mind... <laughs> for my personal life didn't pan out, you know? I've already been engaged once. Oh, 
I wouldn't say right. Pan, it yeah. shifted, but it didn't pan out how I how we always like we think life is gonna go right. So like you're talking about the Disney I mean, fairy tale, I, of course. Yeah. Well, I mean, being engaged at 19, I for sure thought I was gonna have three kids by 25. Yeah. Like I was, we were already looking at wedding venues. Like I was down and out. Right. Um, after that, I moved to New York and I met someone. And then we were in Arisha for three years. And I for sure thought like, this is it. We're going to look at rings. I'm going to yeah. have a kid by, probably two kids by 30. Because I'm 23 at this point now, 24. Yeah. So now <laughs> that I'm 30 in my personal life, this is why I say like, I'm trying to figure out now, like happiness for me what that even looks like now as more of a then i was such a young adult yeah now it's a great question like, walking into my real like womanhood yeah um which is where now the sense of wanting to separate business and personal is coming from right yeah. my life experiences what i've been through um and i think that i want well one i think my biggest goal is financial freedom and that doesn't mean that I want to be a millionaire. I just want financial freedom. I don't need the most. I just need what I feel is necessity for my life and being able to freely move around and enjoy my life, right? So financial freedom. Um, and I feel like happiness is not really putting pressure on my time clock anymore. I think I even have... Am, my, I, me and my mom have these conversations because now as a 30-year-old, like I just, I'm like, I've just devoted so much of my time to my career that now thinking about my personal life, because I've always put my personal second, I'm like, do I even want kids anymore? I don't think so. Like, I'd rather have a house with like five dogs. That's funny to say that. I have a friend of mine who, when she was in her 20s, she wanted like 10 kids. And Literally. How do you ask me three years ago? I would have said two. She doesn't want kids now. But it's interesting how, how, how life uh, I think perspective changes, changes re yeah. uh, reality, what happens in real life. Yeah. And what that means for me, because I feel like a woman who is self-made, her yeah. own business, I don't have PTO. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I can't, if I had it, well, if listen, I had it's something you have to weigh out and see what your priorities are, right? If you exactly, if, the other thing is, like, you're single, you said, right? So, you have to meet somebody and see if that's something you want with that person before you can even have it. But there's other factors, and I bring this up because you do outsiders and you're very much focused on mental health. I suffered for depression for a long time, and I started antidepressants two years ago. Yeah, but I've, I've struggled that. with this since I was a teenager. Really? But I never got the help because culturally that was like a no-no. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you. Last, when I reconnected with you right after the pandemic and you came on that hike with us, mm -hmm. you mentioned that. And I appreciate you sharing it. Uh, what was the most helpful thing? Was it, was it the meds or was it It's been the meds. But then when I, what I wanted to get at real quick was as a woman, not a lot of people talk about postpartum depression. Like when you think about having a family, you think of, oh, the woman gets pregnant, pops a kid, everything's fine. But mm, I've talked to my friends and like, what, what, what is the reality of having a child? What, what does that actually look like? And as a woman, we go through so many body changes and hormonal changes yeah. that me having had this bump in the road, right? And having to seek help for it if I ever did have a kid, what does that mean? Right. I could fall into postpartum depression. 
I probably would, most likely, and some women will have it for a week, some women three months, some women six months, who knows, right? So I think that's like things that as you get older, you start kind of reflecting on. Yeah. And like, okay, what is actually the healthiest route for my life? And finding a partner that if you did, would support you through that. Right. You well, know. that you both have the same path you want to take. Right. Well, that's, I mean. It's deep. So now it's yeah. like, I'm really kind of just, now I'm low key. I don't go out much. I've been out the last two weeks because I was working so hard for like three months straight, including weekends. And the last two weeks, I just been like, ah. Right. And, and that's, that's good. You need that. But now I'm just so low key in my life because I, for me, I'm just trying to figure out what that next step for my career is and separating business and personal and being able to succeed in both and take my time in both. Yeah. You know, and not rush them. I applaud you for recognizing that and thinking that deeply about what would make you happy instead of thinking, well, society standards or the path that's going to make me happy. Well, it's, but it's hard though, because there's always like a push and pull with that mindset. And mm -hmm. I have to remember to not I have to remind myself to like snap back and be like, no, let's be like, let's be real. Like, let's focus on the goal. Yeah. You know, because even finding a partner is, is happiness. Right. Right. Even finding a partner is hard for women culture. <laughs> no, because listen, too. no, but listen for men, for women, yeah. especially culturally yeah. as as a Mexican, like <clears throat> I can only speak from my experience. Yeah. We are kind of brought up to depend on the man financially. Mm. And it's always like, okay, Mija, like find a husband and make sure he has a good job and like make yeah. sure you're supported. Yeah, it goes both ways. And men have the pressure to be the ones supporting as well. Exactly, yeah, right. So. But I can only speak from a woman's point of, course, of view. Of course, of course. So that's also like the survival mode of it, of like remembering myself to not settle again yeah. or not settle anymore. Let's bring it back a little bit. Um, so where you're at right now, you just explained, and you're trying to find your happiness. And that's, like I said, I commend that. Um, what are your, what's your, do you, have you figured out your, like, your next move in life? I mean, you're, I guess, oh yeah, we just talked about it. Except having that separation. Pay attention, Jeremy. <laughs> There's a lot going on in this conversation. That was deep. So for me, it's, it's like just recouping here. Um, I'm going to ask you some questions here. Uh, what do you do for fun? I'm in a book club. A book club? Yeah. Really? And what kind of books? Hot Girls Who Read. It's called Hot Girls Who Read. <laughs> I promise you. What was the last book you read? Right now, we're just starting Malibu Rising. Okay. Is it all fiction? Um, both. Okay. Fiction and nonfiction. Um, the last book that we had actually was like, damn, I forgot the name. Something about depression ages i can't remember okay. but it was it was like a real life story but i couldn't i couldn't finish it because that shit was deep mm -hmm. and i was like mm, this bringing some some feelings back yeah but i'm in a book club with girls and we're all like 30 year olds who are our own like businesses like some girls are in real estate so some like girls are in fashion book club Huh? It's kind of a support system, a community, yeah. more than just a book club. Yeah. Oh, 1,000. Yeah. And we meet at the at the, the last Sunday of every month, but it's not just New York. Like, we have girls in London. We have girls so in Paris. this is like your outsiders, essentially. Yeah. Okay. We have girls in LA. That's right. That's awesome. Uh, what is it called again? 
Hot girls who read. Hot girls who read. That's shout and out we to all have our selfies in the group <clears throat> chat too. Shout out to hot girls who read. That's a great. That's My a friend great Bruna, thing. she she started it, and then it just kind. Of, she started it in January, so we've been reading yeah. a book every month. That's amazing. Oh, wait, how, she started the chapter here in, in January. She started the the book club in January. Like in all these different cities. No, it was like just. Random, like she had her and a friend wanted to yeah. read a book. She posted on Instagram and people started reaching out to her. They wanted to read it, too. I told Bruna, like, hey, what's the book club? I want to read the book. And then it just. But when did she establish these different cities? She has friends from all over the world. Oh, so, so oh, it gotcha. just is it a formal club? Like, where, where do people find this if they're interested? Like, you got to be invited through text. <laughs> oh, so it's still very... Yeah, it's like a... Okay. It's I think a, Jeremy it's, wants to be invited. It's an intimate... <laughs> for girls only, okay? Hey, listen, there might be some girls out here uh, who want to be It's an intimate, yeah. like, like uh, book club. There's like 15 of us. Okay. Yeah. Nice. It's super fun. Yeah, like I said, I think community is important. So yeah. you have that there. Um, anything else you do for fun? Um, work out. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, you went on the workout sleep. Kick, right? Yeah. <laughs> I um, sleep a lot for fun. What advice would you give high school you? Ooh. What advice would I give high school me? That's a tough one. That's a deep one. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, like, not care about what everybody else says and do me. So focus on yourself, right? Okay. Well, I think, like, just don't mind the outside noise. It's very good advice. Um, I know you're not a big outdoorsy person, but you... But the last I am. Uh, I just don't like your kind of outdoor. <laughs> <laughs> My outdoor is on a boat. <laughs> My, well, I mean... I Chilling like, with an I Aperol like spritz. When you, when you came on the last hike, you probably... I got a sense that you appreciated it more than the previous adventures you'd been on. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe you just needed it at that time. Uh, well, it was also because I brought my dog. Yes. When maybe. I'm with her, I'm the most at peace and comfortable. And she was like the highlight of the, of the hike anyway. And anyway. she was so happy. She was like. So what's your favorite part of Outsiders is the question I'm going to ask you. You. <laughs> <laughs> Way to make me blush on camera. Okay. Um, what is my favorite part about Outsiders? Mm-hmm. Honestly, that it makes me uncomfortable. Because you're out of comfort zone. Yeah. Okay. Makes That's me great. very uncomfortable because I hate socializing. I get like social anxiety. And I'm, I'm the most comfortable at work. Like when I go to work events because I know how to have that conversation. It's your wheelhouse. You're familiar. You put in those 10,000 hours. Right. Yeah. But I know how to talk. Yeah. Um, when I place myself in, in uncomfortable situations with people that don't do what I do, I get, I don't know. I'm very right. awkward. It's funny you say that because our... We, and I shut down. But you put yourself... You're, you enjoy being out of your comfort zone because you see the rewards. Our second... Uh, do I enjoy it? No. But do I need it? Yes. And then I end up being thankful for that. Right. Okay. <laughs> that makes sense. It makes sense. Our second... We, we launched a blog a few... Maybe a month or two ago. And our second blog post was from a friend of mine who's a life coach. And it was get out of your comfort zone. And she explains how she came on a hike with us. And she's not a hiker, and she was nervous, she was scared, she was dreading it, right? And she talks about her experience. At the end of the day, she ended up looking back and loving it. Not because she's an outdoors person, nothing, but she just conquered this, this right. fear. For some about. of us, it's like a very difficult thing to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not that easy to get up and go. Like, it, it, especially when you're 
around when you're coming with a group of people that you don't know, yeah. such as myself, like it gives me crazy social anxiety. And so it's definitely like when when you're done with it, you're like, oh, I can breathe. Yeah. And also, obviously, the activity is fun. Right. The right. hiking, like the oxygen in the trees, living in the city, you don't realize like how much you need that until you're there. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. I mean, definitely people feel feel lighter after they're more grounded. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Uh, what is a dream that you've yet to achieve? What is a dream that I've yet to achieve? buy my apartment mm, that's great goal. that's definitely my do you want to buy the one you live in currently no you want to buy an apartment i want to buy an apartment which i did start the process in new york city in new york city one bedroom two bedroom studio two bedroom two that bedroom like a real new york thing because you don't hear people in texas saying i need to buy an apartment right you know what i don't want to live in a house i don't Why? feel safe really oh because okay i see yeah like people break in, people can kidnap you. It's like a deep thing for me. Okay. I had a lot of nightmares back at home. Mm -hmm. And since I've lived in an apartment, I'm so at peace. So I would definitely live in an apartment. Okay. And I love having concierge and like a rooftop. And Aperol <laughs> Spritz. Aperol Spritz. <laughs> you get the vibe. I mean, out of all of our Listen, trips that we do. This is what I want. The Sardinia trip would be right up your alley. Which my friend Jerome. Yes, Jerome Marquez. When did he tell you that he knew me? I saw you guys knew each other on social. Oh, because yeah. I I replied to one of his stories. Oh, like, he, Jeremy! he showed it to me. He showed it to me. That's right. Yeah, yes. so that would be exactly right up your alley. Talk to him about it. Like it was. No, I know it looked amazing. It I for you had told me about it previously, and I I didn't remember. Well, I mean, it's not like I could have gone. I was working, but like I saw, I was like, damn, we it do looks it every amazing. Year, so you have another opportunity whenever. Were you guys? You did you guys go on a boat? I don't remember. Yeah, we did. Oh, okay. It's part of the itinerary. Okay, maybe I will go. Exactly. <laughs> you have, and, and there's Aperol Spritz as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is your most embarrassing moment? Like of what? Of life. <laughs> <laughs> My most embarrassing moment yeah. of life? Yeah. The one that sticks out. The like one that you can like, that you think of. I have embarrassing moments every day. Let me give you some examples. <laughs> like, so we've had people come up with some really good ones. The best ones, in my opinion, I think Kentanaka. I used to say Javier's a lot, but Kentanaka is, is great. Kentanaka is a good friend of mine. He's super outdoorsy, athletic. He's been in, in that life, but uh, his his most embarrassing moment was he ran the New York City Marathon while he had food poisoning. So every mile marker, he had to take a shit. Throwing up. Oh, taking a shit. So was it? And it took him eight hours and 27 shits, and he finished the race. Oh my God. <laughs> exactly. I wouldn't say that's an embarrassing moment. I said that's an unfortunate, the yeah, most unfortunate moment. Another one is, Where was he taking these shits? In the porta potties. Exactly. Oh, Lord. The another one was Javier, who was in high school, and I believe it was in you know, Connecticut, Atlanta. He was taking the public, the public transit buses to school. He gets on the bus with snap off pants. The bus catches the bottom of the pants. No. He gets up on the bus, rips his pants off. He's standing in tiny in front of a, in front of everybody on this public bus. A tragedy. Tragedy. What do, what's your most embarrassing moment? Damn, we're gonna be here all day. I'm. I will just say that maybe don't. If you don't know how to cut hair, maybe don't try to cut it yourself after you wet <laughs> your hair. Because I did that one time. I cut my bangs thinking I could cut my hair. I wet my bangs, and when they dried, they shrunk. And so I had to go to school with bangs like this. How old were you then? I was in high school. That yeah. was, which is the worst 
Do you have a photo? I'm about to ask the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) And even if I did, I wouldn't show you. Okay. But I remember I had to put, I had to, like, uh, I don't know how they're called. We call them cucarachas. They're clips. We call them cucarachas. We, I had to put my cucarachas literally right here to hold my bangs for like six months Oof. for them to grow back because I cut them here when they were wet, literally, and then they went up here. That's hilarious. That was, yeah. That's amazing. So my, my top was flat like this for a good six months. And as a freshman who's trying, who's like going through puberty, you know, yeah. that Oof. was embarrassing. That's tough. Okay. <laughs> uh, what have I not asked you that you want to share? Is there anything that you want to share um, with the audience? No. No? Okay. <laughs> I, I'm bad at, like, offering yeah, it's conversation. I'm better if you just, like, ask me and then I derail. Understood. All right, so then that brings us to our last segment, which is a series of five rapid-fire questions. I threw in an extra one. I feel like I'm you. on Hot Wings. <laughs> I, I'll take that as a compliment. Like <laughs> All right, are you ready? No. So whatever comes off the top of your head, first answer. Don't think about it too much, okay? You should have, like, a buzzer. <clears throat> I'm going to have a buzzer if you don't shut up. And <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, what's your favorite city other than New York City? Paris. Paris. That's where I was born. I love Paris. City. I do love it, too. Um, why do you love Paris? The history and, like, fashion culture of it. Like, mm. and the people. I fucking love it. Uh, what's, this is the added question I gave you. What's your dream styling job? My dream styling job. Well, there's a lot. First, the one that comes to the top of your head. Uh, you don't know the damn rules of this game. <laughs> My God. I, this is very hard for me because I don't know. It's the first thing. Stop thinking. First thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're so <laughs> annoying. <laughs> Jesus. My dream styling job. I don't. I. You've done it already. I'm assuming. I feel like I've done okay. so many things. Like I've. Cool. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> if you could do any other profession, what would it be? Ooh. If I could do any other profession, <laughs> it'd be TikTok. TikTok. Uh, maybe a teacher. That's an interesting response. Yeah. Why teacher? And what I kind love of teacher? to teach. What kind of teacher would you be? Like an elementary school teacher, high school teacher, a specific uh, subject? I have no clue. Just a teacher. But I, li- I feel like I like to teach. Okay. Maybe I'd be a fashion teacher. Okay. Which you, you can be. Yeah. Uh, good, good answer. Uh, what's your vice? But I don't know. I could get like a New York City apartment doing that. No. Okay. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> what's your vice? What's who? Your vice. What does that mean? Vice is like your your weakness. Like uh, uh, some, like some people, their their vice is like drugs or sugar or you know it could be anything. TV. Boats and spritzers. Yeah, boats and spritzers. Yeah. <laughs> What's your vice? It's like something I like to do a lot. Something that you. My weakness. Yeah, that you like. If you have an addiction to something. Men. I'm <laughs> just kidding. That, I don't know. <laughs> that could be an answer. No, because I've no. Um I I'm really bad at the, these rapid fire questions are not easy answerable uh, rapid fire questions. Because you're not have, following have, the rules. Have other people answered fast? Yes. How? And, and they, if they take a second, they actually end up giving me an answer. 
Does you know what it is? Is I think deep. I can't think super like on the. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's your greatest fear? Um, oh, that one I, I got to answer. My greatest fear is dying in pain. Okay. Yeah. That's... I'm not scared to die. But, but I'm just scared to die in pain. You want to make it quick or, or yeah. in your sleep Instant. or okay. I don't. I don't want to feel the pain. That's literally my greatest fear in life. Understood. Um, and then last <laughs> question. What's your favorite food? And what did you bring? Oh, my favorite food is Mexican and Greek. Okay. Would, would, I didn't bring food because I got food sickness, sick, sickening, sickness last week. Yeah. So what did you bring as your favorite? But I brought Mexican candy. Okay, let's see it. And what did you bring? Would you, why is this candy your favorite? Is it more nostalgic or? Yes. Okay. So, I mean, I like, I never find this candy here. And my friend just sent this candy to me. And he's like, I have a little surprise for you. What is it? It's like tamarindo yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of candy. There's one so the, piña and was... powder? Yes. Yeah. I don't know if you eat candy. I don't, but let me see anyway. This one's piña. This one's my favorite. This one is sandía. This is called bolitochas, sandía. This is my favorite. Yeah. Look at all this junk. Wow. All this is so acid. Can you describe it? Acid. It's super sour, right? No, it's spicy. It's tangy. Tangy and spicy. Yeah, tangy. And spicy and it's like tamarindo yeah. and with a watermelon candy inside mm, and this one's a pineapple one right well that's the one hitting so that's your favorite candy what's that ASMR. <laughs> let's hear it what do you got <laughs> um closer to the mic these you can also have in paletas what's that mean and pop and popsicles, but popsicles yeah. is ice cream, no? Uh, it's usually ices, yeah. Ice, yeah. Yeah. So no, it's lollipop. There you go, like gotcha. in a lollipop. Yeah, yeah. This one is pineapple. Well, this I one is gummy. Okay. Um, but this one, the watermelon, you can also have it like in a ice cream. Oh yeah. Like I, I these, this and ice cream, banging. What kind of ice cream would you get with that? Um. No, there's an ice cream of this. Oh, there's an ice cream of that. Okay. Yeah, it's it's um, it's a tamarindo ice cream, and it's like the same company that does the candy, does it in popsicles. Oh, cool. Or like a chamoyada. It's funny because uh, we had Anthony uh, interviewed his friend of mine, Anthony Martini, and his favorite food was takis. But it, it went beyond just the takis, right? It went beyond the chips. He got so obsessed with that powder mm. that he researched where he can get it. He found this woman that makes the powder and he started... Actually, sp- it's an old lady in Mexico. Yeah, yeah. That makes... She makes all the flavors for yeah, like I'm that, sure. like any type of thing that you're looking for. I mean, all for. these candies are Mexican candies, like I'm sure. But even like what, like cereals and stuff, Yeah, right? no, yeah, like Fruit Loop, the dusting for yeah. Fruit Loop, stuff like that, like every single thing. Oh so, my God, amazing. So he, he found this. Or this lady, I need her number. And he started putting it on popcorn, on like anything he could find. Uh, I'll ask him for this. That's actually oh. how I eat popcorn. <clears throat> we put the tahin. Yeah. And then Valentina. And then lime. Oof, that's so good. That's mm-hmm. so good. Um, and we potato chips on the lemon, on the lime lays. Lemon. You put it in the bag, Valentina. right? I've had that before. It's good. Oh, uh, Darnell did that. Yes, that's right. Darnell yeah. did do that on the show. That was his favorite food on the yeah, show. Yeah, right? But also yeah. what we do is get a bag of, this is not going to be pretty, a bag of hot Cheetos. Yeah. 
nacho I've cheese, yeah. beans, onions. What else can you put? Jalapenos, and you, yeah. with a fork, yeah. eat that. That's, that's, that's probably why we're immune to a lot of things, Mexicans. I never get, like, sick. Like, this last week that I got food sickness was, like, unreal. Yeah. Because nothing ever affects me. That's hilarious. It's probably because of everything, all the junk <laughs> that I've been eating since I was little. It is. And the rivers I've been jumping in. Mexico. Yeah. They ain't that healthy, some of them. <laughs> Your immunity is, is super strong. My immune system is. Exactly. Um, yeah, I appreciate you coming on the show also, especially because you did share some personal stuff. You were very funny. You were a pain in the ass, but you did open up about some stuff that... Uh, I'm only a pain in the ass because you're used to low-maintenance people. Well, I'll, And I'm not high-maintenance. I'm pretty normal. No, you're not. Um, <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> you're absolutely not. But I appreciate you, and I do appreciate our friendship. Uh, do you? Yeah, I do. I just, should, yeah. You should... Say a little bit more often. I appreciate your friendship. You. I appreciate you. <laughs> and I appreciate you you opening up about your personal life, especially here too, because others can see it and I feel like they're not alone. My, so. my therapist said the more I talked about it, the less it takes over my life. Yeah, I am a firm believer in that. And sometimes I find myself talking in circles until it's until I'm, I feel better. But, you know, that's what works. Mm -hmm. uh, but I appreciate you doing that. Thank Just you. keep on doing that. Thank you for having me. And, now uh, I'm stuck with yeah. this candy in my mouth. <laughs> come out to another outsider soon whenever you want. And yes, the I'm going to come for there. the Sardinia trip. For sure. That's like in a year. But yes, come through that. But thank you again. Peace. <laughs>